Once upon a time, there were three little pigs who left their home to seek their fortunes. The first little pig was too lazy to work, so he built his house out of straw. The second little pig took an easy way and built his house out of sticks. The third little pig worked hard all day long and he built his house with bricks. He planned and built brick over brick. When he finished, he saw that the house looks beautiful and so strong it could resist the strongest winds and the scariest wolf. And well, you know the rest of the story. But think about this for a moment. How would you feel if I concluded from the story that we must give our gratitude to the bricks instead of the hard worker who made the house possible? In other words, if we want to seek our fortunes and build a life worth living, should we thank things and facts of nature? Or the human mind that makes things possible. Welcome to Ideas on Trial. I'm your host, Leopold Ajami. And I'm Ricardo Pinto. And in today's episode, we are putting the concept of gratitude on trial. Hello, Ricardo. Hello, Leo. How are you? I'm good. Well, you named this episode the Gratitude Fever. And correct me if I'm wrong, but part of that means that the fever is on us for attempting to challenge, you know, a concept so dominantly accepted as gratitude. Yeah, it's quite a challenge, but that's only part of it because it's also a fever that you see out there in the culture, because today we have a whole movement dedicated to the idea of gratitude, gratitude. You see it everywhere in social media, in books, in conferences. So that's the other part of the fever that we want to discuss today. Yeah. But what's, what's really the value of gratitude? Like why gratitude is, is important for it to have a movement and to be, you know, the undisputed idea in the culture. Why? Right. Yes. I think we need to distinguish two senses of gratitude from the beginning. One is the one we're taught from our very earliest year, which is gratitude as a basic principle of human relationships. It's your recognition that someone has done good for you, that someone is acting in your favor and that you want to appreciate and reward that action towards you. That is gratitude as an act of justice, as mm. a just response to other people's action. So that's one sense, but the other we're seeing out there and which is gaining more prevalence every day is quite different. And I'd like to think about it as gratitude as a metaphysical privilege, a metaphysical privilege in the sense that you are asked to be grateful to the universe mm. or to life as such, to the things that you happen to have in your life accidentally. And I think this is a very, very different sense of gratitude that, well, 
we're going to analyze, but that sounds a bit confusing for me. Yeah. But there is a sense, I think, where we can distinguish between, you know, the metaphorical and the literal. So some people, when they give their gratitude to a summer breeze, let's say, or to the universe or to a good day, maybe they don't really mean it, you know, as is. They don't mean it. They don't mean it literally. It's just a metaphor. It's just um, it's just a benevolent attitude, an optimistic attitude towards life as such. But I think it's right. So many people actually mean it uh, in the literal sense. And if you do a small exercise now, if, if you just go to Google and just write gratitude and go to Google Images, and you'll see all these quotes and all these uh, expression that positions gratitude as, as, a, as a kind of a gift from a non-consciousness, whether it's the universe or, you know, whatever, an object or something that doesn't have a consciousness. Right. And a non-consciousness that is acting intentionally somehow. Yeah. Which is a weird idea, right? Yeah. So the universe as such is not conscious. It doesn't have a consciousness. It cannot have intention. It cannot think. It cannot choose or act. Therefore, to give your gratitude to the universe means to give it too cheaply, right? It's, <laughs> it means to give it to that which cannot create values or deserve our, our values and our gratitude. Because you mentioned, I think you mentioned a very important point, which is gratitude as an expression of, of justice. And here, the way I think about it is... It's not merely saying thank you or being, you know, or being thankful, right? Gratitude is, is an act of evaluation. It's an act of evaluation and admiration for those who create values, whether material or uh, spiritual values. And as such, it is an expression of justice, so you're not merely being, for example, kind when you give your gratitude. Rather, you're recognizing that someone deserves your admiration. Someone deserves your recognition. It can't be a gift, right? It's, it's a kind of a trade. Yes, and as we discussed in the last episode, sometimes we use the concept of gratitude as a social protocol. We, we are raised to say thanks blindly or as a mere rule, as a mere response to the other actions of people. But I think that gratitude, when, when you really feel good about someone giving thanks to someone, it's because that person is doing something that really corresponds to your values. He doesn't merely give you any old gift, anything he, he bought in a shop. He's giving you something that deeply connects with who you personally are. And that's, those are the greatest moments when you can say thanks to another person. It's a dedication, a personal dedication to what he's doing for you. Yeah. So for example, I mean, 
the classic example is when you give your gratitude to a waiter, right? What does that mean? Well, you're, you're giving your gratitude because he's doing a good job and he deserves your gratitude. He deserves your recognition. You give your gratitude to a friend for listening to you because she's trading values with you. She's giving you her attention so that you feel better and maybe solve your problem. If she wasn't being attentive while you're sharing, you know, something important, then it's unjust to tell her that you're grateful. She didn't deserve it. And this takes us back to the idea of giving our gratitude to, to the universe or to, to just, just about anything, is I think because we forget that when it comes to giving our gratitude and sharing values, it has to be related to a, a human relationship, specifically to free will, right? Like right. when you give your gratitude to someone, it's that someone decided they chose to do something, whether directly for you or indirectly. And I think that's, a, that's an important distinction between understanding gratitude as a human relationship and just applying it to anything else to, you know. Right. And, you know, there's like gratitude journals and gratitude workshops. So it's, it's everywhere now. The whole idea is spread everywhere. Right. I agree there must be some kind of feedback in that gratitude loop. And you can raise the question of whether you sh can be thankful to animals, specifically to pets, mm. which in a sense you can because they are conscious, they are a value to you. And even though their actions are not uh, intentional in the human conceptual sense, there is a real sense in which they are giving something very precious to your life. Absolutely. And okay. in that sense, you're precious, but still there, we can say the same thing about many things that don't have a mind. You mentioned the summer breeze. You can use the example of the trees shadow in a summer day, right? Yeah. Those are really good things to have. And in a sense, the universe is auspicious to your life, not to your life. The universe doesn't care about you, yeah. but the universe is a place where you can grow, where you can accomplish so many good things, when, where you can be happy. So what is the problem with giving thanks, even if metaphorically, to this amazing existence? Well, from one sense, again, it depends whether you're serious about it whether you're making it part of your life. Because in one sense, there's nothing wrong, absolutely. You know, it's good to have a benevolence. It's good to recognize beautiful objects, rocks and the universe and the sun. Like, uh, that's beautiful, right? But you don't really mean it. You don't treat, when you say, I'm thankful for the universe or for the sun, you don't, you don't mean it literally. Right? You don't turn it into a way of life. You don't wake up every day with some duty to give gratitude to the universe in, in the hope for it to respond back. And I'll give you an example from the law of attraction, the writer Rhonda Byrne. 
from The Secret. She says, and I quote, if you are struggling to feel thankful, you need to ask the universe for help and manifest gratitude. And then she continues, you have to make a start and then the law of attraction will receive those grateful thoughts and give you more just like them. So here lies the problem in my view, because now you're treating the universe as a form of consciousness. And this school of thought, they say it loudly, that the universe is a form of a collective consciousness. And when you ask the universe, it might give you back, depending on the vibration and stuff like that. So I think here lies the danger, because now it's unjust to people who are actually creating values. And it is also unjust to you because now you're, you're not being able to recognize values. It's the same example of my three little pigs story. Now you're giving your thanks to the bricks instead of the hard worker who made the work possible. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a very important point. You don't give thanks to the bricks uh, as such by themselves alone. And you can apply the same example to the summer breeze, or let's say you have all the conditions to go out today for a beautiful picnic. You can say there is no human intervention there, but mm -hmm. that is simply not true. Think about everything that is involved in a simple gathering outside in the woods. You have food readily available in the supermarket. You have cheap blankets that you can afford to make dirty. You have the security that you are not going to be eaten by wolves. Yeah. And you have the freedom to go out because you don't have to work 18 hours a day. So it is simply not true that something as simple as the summer breeze, which is good for us today or for many of us, is true for everybody. That wasn't true for the 18th century farmer who had to work long hours a day and for whom the summer breeze or the summer in general was perhaps uh, a danger to his crops, right? Yeah. So value in all cases is relational. Value is relational. You can appreciate something if it fits with your value hierarchy and your context, but it's not an absolute that the simple things in life are, are going to be good for you. And least of all that you should be thankful for, for them. Mm. Yeah. And you know what? This takes me to another important point, rather a radical point. And the thing is, and I would like to explore that because I don't think we can understand nor appreciate the value of gratitude without discrimination. Without oh, discrimination. Wow. Yeah. And, and specifically a rational discrimination. Now, unfortunately, this word sounds too harsh for so many people, but to rationally discriminate is to differentiate and to judge based on facts. And it's very important for you to apply discrimination when you're giving your gratitude. 
because gratitude is too precious to be given away too cheaply. If we don't judge those who deserve our gratitude, then the whole concept has no meaning, right? It's similar to the notion of love everyone and everything equally. You can't do that. It's impossible. It won't be love anymore. Without discrimination, there will be no evaluation. And without evaluation, there are no values, no hierarchies, no priorities. And if that's the case, then we won't be human anymore. We will be robots. Robots parroting, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and that's the scary part. If we do not discriminate selectively based on facts and give our gratitude to those who deserve it, then, you know, we're, we're not appealing to values. We're appealing to avoid. Right. And we should be grateful selectively also. I don't know if you've seen this idea that, well, you told me about it, that there are people out there saying that we should be thankful to COVID-19. Oh, yeah. We should be thankful for the pandemic because it has bring us closer together. It allows us to appreciate more the value of family, the value of uh, close relationships. And I think that's a corruption of the notion of gratefulness, a deep, deep corruption. And it is not a new idea. I think you see this idea in the many accounts of the people who have survived horrible situations like the concentration camps under Nazi Germany. Not necessarily the authors, but many people's interpretation of what goes on there. So, for example, many people we take Viktor Frankl's Man in Search of Meaning, his book, which I recommend everybody to read. Yeah. And the interpretation they will make is that situations like this help you appreciate life even more. Mm. I was watching today a video by the psychologist Jordan Peterson and the late philosopher Roger Scruton, and they take a similar position there. So they start saying that young people today are deeply ungrateful. Okay, that can be true. But their point is that they are deeply ungrateful because they are unable to appreciate the sacrifice of those who have made modern society and modern comfort possible. And I don't mm. think that sacrifice is a reason for you to be grateful to anything. You are not grateful for anyone's suffering, not even your own. You are only grateful for people's achievement. And this is something that for me, it's been a, an experience, something to learn because you probably don't know, but I was born not in Dubai, but in Venezuela. And if you know anything about Venezuela is that it's an anarchic country today. It's a country that is going through many, many problems and it's not a good place to live right now. And I emigrated from there. And I've come to learn a lot about what I want in life, with what kind of place I want to be in, what kind of human societies are most conducive for human flourishing. Mm. 
And I can say that that's a result of my experience there. But it's not as if I didn't know any evaluation from that. It's not that it's simply going through those situations. It will make you learn anything. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes people live in dictatorships and they won't learn anything. They will become bureaucrats. They will become the dictators, the Fuhrers. So you should not be thankful. I am certainly not thankful for being border, not for a second. I'm thankful for my parents. I'm thankful for my friends or for the good things I live there. But it's something warranted. It's something earned. It's not something given freely. There is no virtue, no virtue in suffering. There is no virtue in those horrible situations or those problematic situations that you go through in life. It's in your overcoming that you gain praise and that you learn anything from. Yeah. Well, here, I think it's good to make a distinction here between gratitude or giving your gratitude to suffering, a form of suffering and struggling, and giving your gratitude to something like the coronavirus. For the point that Jordan Peterson is saying, giving your gratitude to suffering, I think the point here should be that you should understand that suffering is part of life, but it's overcoming it is what matters. So I think that's the important part. But again, this there's a whole philosophical premise behind why you would value suffering more than happiness and why you would think that life as such is about suffering and not about happiness, which I disagree with, obviously. But the second point when it comes to the coronavirus, I think here's, you have a, you have a reverse morality because what you're doing is you're using the concept of gratitude in reverse. So usually you give your gratitude to that which promotes life. You give your gratitude to value creation, to someone who did something good. But the coronavirus didn't do anything good. So you can't be grateful for something that destroys life. And again, put aside that the coronavirus is not actually conscious, right? And it's not trying intentionally to destroy us, right? But even let's assume there's a person who's trying to do that. Let's assume there's a person who's trying to to hurt us or destroy us. Well, we can't be grateful to them because that would be the opposite of what gratitude stands for. Gratitude, as we said, is, is a response to justice and it's a response to values. It's a response to that which is good, to that which is promotes life. And basically, or primarily, it's a, resp- it's a response from people who create these values, from human effort, from human achievement. Human achievements, which sometimes we fail to see, to even notice. And that's a point which I think it's ironic from this whole discussion about gratitude. Because if there is a good point that the gratitude movement makes well, it's that we often forget where things come from, or we often forget that we have things while other people don't. 
So I don't know if you have that experience in your culture, but here, when we sit at our tables, our grandmas would often tell us, you should be thankful for the food you have in your table because there are poor children out there who don't have that privilege. So say yeah, your thanks. Have you have that? <laughs> yeah. But I think that's fundamentally an injustice. Of course, I don't mean that my grandma is unjust, <laughs> but it's an injustice and an act of ingratitude towards the hidden creators out there who have made our standard of living possible. And who are those hidden creators? The people we take for granted. The people we take for granted when we assume that everything is a gift from the universe. And it's not. It's a result of some human mind or a collaboration of human minds who worked together against odds, who overcame suffering, who overcame opposition to produce something great, to produce an achievement that we can enjoy today, centuries later. Yeah, uh, this is a great example, the food on the table. We have the similar, a similar thing in our culture. And it, it always seems to me that when I talk about this subject, uh, like there's a, there's a false alternative. You, you actually can't do anything about the people who are not having food on their table, at least not in the moment, right? But this doesn't mean that you don't feel for them. Like that, that's a completely different thing. So you might feel for them. And if it's uh, something that is valuable for you, you can go and help them in some way. But that's different than sitting on the table and say, you have to finish your food. Because if you don't, there are people who are not eating. Well, it, 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 it just doesn't work, right? Like, like they are unrelated. Rather, I think we should learn how to give our thanks for the food on our table, for all the people you talked about, in, including our family who are doing the effort to put it on our... And we, should, we shouldn't take it for granted. Like putting food on the table shouldn't be taken for granted. But you remind me of something that David Hume said about ingratitude. And I like that quote. And, you know, somehow I'm using it out of context, but I like the way he articulates it. He says, and I quote, of all crimes that human creatures are capable of committing, the most horrid and unnatural is ingratitude. I like that. And, and the way I can analyze it is that really the most horrible crime is when we don't recognize human effort. The most horrible crime is when we don't think of people as having free will and that they have values and that they can create values and that they can keep the values they create. Let me give you an example. When someone steals your money, what's happening here? When, when, when a thief steals your money, he is in fact not recognizing that it's your money. Think about it. He's not recognizing that it's your money, that you worked hard to gain it, that it's a value rightfully yours. 
So it's a kind of a psychological and philosophical ungratefulness here. Because in the mind of a thief, justice and morality is reversed. He thinks that he has the right and the power to take a value from you. And in this case, through force or through fraud. So justice and morality and values be damned. Like he doesn't care about them. And that's why I stress that gratitude involves a rational evaluation and rational discrimination. And by the way, that's why when you are grateful, you don't feel envious. Rather, you feel courageous because you're saying, here's someone who did it and deserves it. I'm looking at this woman and she is giving me the courage to know that it's possible, right? right? So I can pursue it myself. And in return of that, I'm actually giving her my gratitude, which is the least I can do. But that's the power of really treating a gratitude as a form of justice. And it's not always easy to articulate what you're thankful for. Yeah. Can you imagine our educational system if we taught our children not to be grateful for the roof on their heads or the food in their tables, but to really explain why, to try to work in their minds, why they can appreciate something they're giving as opposed to the rest. If we teach them really how to evaluate, how, how to spot that achievement that they can value and they are willing to reward and not merely respond to or parrot as part of a social protocol. I think yeah. that would be life-changing. And I, I would like to promote that. What's the best way you think to promote something like that? Well, lately I've been thinking about, I, I take the, that starting premise from the gratitude movement. We sometimes take things for granted. Sure. And if you look around you, There are many things right now you don't know where they come from. Like, for example, bookmarks. Who doesn't love bookmarks, right? Yeah. Or the ring light I'm using. Or lately I've been thinking about the, the music I love. Those songs that have shaped my life since the beginning. And who wrote those songs, right? Yeah. So I think a good practice to be genuinely grateful is to share your belated thanks. To share your belated thanks to those hidden creators, those hidden minds out there who have produced something that you're able to enjoy today, to actually enjoy. And it doesn't take much work to Google their names yeah. or to investigate a little about their life. I've done that with the, the many of the songwriters of the songs I love. And It's really a rewarding experience because it's not an issue of duty. It's not an issue of uh, a sacrifice you're recognizes as Peterson and, and Scruton would have it. No, you're giving them thanks for the inspiration they're giving you. Yeah. An inspiration that motivates you to emulate their achievement in your own life. Yeah. And I think that would be a great way to inspire the education system as such 
But you inspired me of something very important here, which is also part of the gratitude movement, is that the concept of gratitude is always treated as a feeling. You feel grateful, you feel thankful, right? Which is partially true. It's partially true. But primarily gratitude is an act. It's a virtue, again, it's a virtue directed towards the creation of human values, whether they're spiritual, material, whether small or big. I mean, think about that. How many times, and that would be a great way actually to think about how we learn. How many times you looked at a beautiful architecture and felt grateful? So few. Unfortunately, we are not trained to think of it this way. But if we think of gratitude as an act, as a response to human value creation, then you will walk the streets of New York or Dubai and give your gratitude to those who made it possible. From the visionary to the designers, to the executors, to the laborers. And better still, if you can recognize their names, to say that's the person behind or these are the people behind this creation. And, you know, I understand there are many studies on how gratitude affect our psychological well-being. But again, I think primarily gratitude affects us metaphysically because we are able to grasp at least implicitly that life is good and life is benevolent. It's not about uh, struggle and suffering. And that a proper life for a human being is possible only if justice is served. Not just by law, but through human conduct. And I think that's why we feel good when we are thankful. And more, I think that's why we feel great when someone is thankful to us because we sincerely deserved it. When someone giving us their gratitude because we really deserved it. Right. In a sense, you're recognizing that autonomy that every human being has. Absolutely. It's not that as if everybody's good or everybody's bad. No. People chart their own path and you want to evaluate, to discriminate their character, to see who will do good for you and those who don't. And it takes a lot of work, a lot of lots of discussions that we could have here. But I think that's enough for today. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a huge uh, subject. But I, I, I want to stress on the advice you gave, which is really giving our thanks to those little heroes that we forget sometimes the forgotten heroes behind the small values out there. Thank you for creating values and for giving us the courage to know what's possible. That's what I would tell them. And for you who are listening to us, we are grateful for giving us a portion of your time and your attention. Please subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. See you soon. Bye, Ricardo. Thank you so much. Bye.